Hey everyone, I'm Mark Robison. I'm a candidate for the North Carolina State Senate representing Charlotte's District 39. I'm also your host today for the Elephant in the Room podcast where we tackle issues that a lot of folks are thinking about, but not a lot of folks are talking about. Uh, Today, we are going to tackle a big one. It's called socialism. And I have um, got a fantastic guest. I don't think there's anybody that could explain this topic better than my guest today who's actually lived through it. You know, we hear this word uh, creeping into our country and our society more and more. I think half our country is horrified at the thought and the other half seem to think it's wonderful. Um, But uh, like I said, I, our guest today is probably going to shed a lot more light on it than anybody else could. And his name is Jonathan, who's got the key. He is the vice chair for the North Carolina Republican Hispanic Coalition and maybe a 2024 candidate for North Carolina Lieutenant Governor. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, how you doing? Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here with you guys today. So I'll kind of dive right into it. You know, I think people think of different things when they think of socialism. I know that I've seen you speak a couple of times. When Americans think of, and I think you would correct me sometimes with the word socialism and more of like communism, but we always think of countries uh, like the Soviet Union, Cuba, North Korea, you know, totalitarian governments like that. But really in the last two or three decades, your home country of Venezuela, unfortunately, has entered that mix. And I, if I remember correctly, back in the 1980s, Venezuela was one of the richest countries in the world. So my question to you is, what in the world happened to Venezuela? Well, uh, that's a great question. The thing is that we have to see here is that socialism is a, a word that was invented because this Marxist understood that communism scared people away. So people need to understand how well these people are with linguistic. They tend to understand very well the names are the ones that they're going to use when they label something to actually wrap somebody with their idea. Socialism is a, is a, is a beautiful thing on paper because you always have this idea that you're going to take care of everybody. Right. Help everybody. It, I mean, who doesn't want to help people, you know? But... What you put on paper sometimes is not practical in real life. And what happened to us in Venezuela, it was just that well, how I see the, uh, the socialists uh, have created this idea in the 21st century. That they're, they're not coming with authoritarianism and communism anymore by force. Everything is done very uh, precisely uh, with the good strategy. Right. To make sure that by the time you realize you are completely wrapped around their idea, it's too late. You know, I don't know if you you probably remember back in during the Eisenhower uh, presidency, uh, the Soviet Union leader Nikita Khrushchev. Mm-hmm. Yep, you remember. Well, he did say something when he spoke in the UN that Americans will fight communism. So and instead, we're gonna feed him small amounts of socialism but one day they're going to wake up surrounded by communism and that's how i see it's happening the way it happened to us see a lot of people don't understand like venezuelan it was at one point one of the richest ranking number four in the world wow Uh, oil we have more oil than Saudi arabia 
Wow. We were the first country that brought electricity in South America. Oh, my that, God. That tells you how wealthy Venezuela was. Right. But what happened to us is that, you know, when we, uh, as a country, declare independence from Spain, and our found, some of our founders' fathers used to come here and, you know, were good pals, George Washington, James Madden's, uh, Thomas Jefferson. They brought all these ideas from this republic to Venezuela. Venezuela was a constitutional republic with three branches of government. The only difference that we did compared to the United States, that we allowed the generals to be the, the, the leaders. They became dictators into the early 1960s. We finally got rid of our last dictator and we did something that I believe conservatives tend to do very well. It is open business, take care of their families. Right. And the biggest problem we had, we stay away from politics. When we did that in Venezuela, we allowed the left. See, conservatives, by nature, they're individual thinkers. Right. Leftists or liberals, whatever you want to call them this day, progressive, they come in different type of uh, shape and form. But in reality, right, right. it's the same, same thing. They are collectible thinkers, meaning they always have, they have to have somebody to control their life. They're, they're wired that way. We conservatives tend to mind our own business. Right. And that also is being our weakness because we haven't paid attention to something like we did in Venezuela here. I see it here and I saw it in Venezuela. It's but a very politics, good point. Yeah. yeah. Politics is not something that we want to deal with it. Right. That's not for us. That's you know, it's a that's a bad place to be. Bad, you know, everything is so bad about, about <clears throat> politics. I myself, I was raised, my father was an entrepreneur in Venezuela. And right. I remember my father in early he used to say to us, me and my brothers, that politics, it doesn't matter who is the president. We always have to open our business and go to work. So listen wow. to my father, the mentality. Somebody passed that to him and he passed it to us. And I was supposed to pass that to my, my children. Of course. But I think it's because the left took over the, our education system. And the left are very strong all over the world. These people are, they are, you got to give it to them. They're, they're genius. Yeah. I wish they spend so much time doing things for, to do good. Right. This world would be a better place, but it's, it's always amazing. about this control in this, uh, uh, they're hungry for power because they always feel that they know better than you. They understand. It, to them, it's like we know that you need. This is what you need to do, and you can tell a leftist, no, but I'm okay. No, no, you just don't know any better. So I have sure. to come and take care of you. It's so condescending, too. It's just they are. They unbelievable. Are. So what happened to us is that when we allow the left to take over the education system in Venezuela, what do you think the left? The left came and say, pretty much, well, if we Take care of the education system. We'll put a plan that come in the right opportunity in the right time. We'll rise up back to power. And they did. It took from our last dictator to Hugo Chavez 
50 years. 50? 50 years. Oh, wow. Because Chavez took power in, what, 1998? Was that when it was? 90, yeah, 90 in the 90s, or right. late 90s. Okay. But you got to understand, look, we have uh, coup attempts. Uh, we have uh, dictators previous to Chavez. If they, our education system would have taught our history, would have told us about our history, we would have never elect Hugo Chavez. Oh, my goodness. So uh, those who forget their history are doomed to repeat it. And exactly. You know, you've got a dictator like you had, probably yes. worse than you had uh, in the 1950s and prior to that. Yes. I mean, and if when you hear, like, we have our last dictator, right? His name was Marcos Perez Jimenez. You mm -hmm. still hear some Venezuelan that will tell you that he was a great leader because he did. See, I, I have history books mm -hmm. in my house from Venezuela where show Marcos Perez Jimenez, our last dictator, he put with the money, the petroleum money, Instead of investing, see, Venezuela should be today, if it were, we would have great leaders, uh, that the Abu Dhabi of South America, the Dubai South America, the Taiwan South America, because we could have all the money that we were getting from the petroleum industry. Yeah, yeah. Be very successful in investing in other, like the tourist industry, the agriculture industry the manufacturer industry. So we didn't have those factors in Taiwan. We could easily have them right there in Venezuela. Venezuela right. could be so rich and have a good relationship with the United States. And I mean, it would be, a, a, but you know, perfect. Maybe not perfect, but a, a great idea. A but, lot better than it is now, that's for sure. Exactly. But when you have uh, politicians, they never has built anything. And they think the government is the answer to everything. That's <laughs> always going to be the result. Remember, this ideology has been already implemented in over 100 countries in the world. And every oh, wow. single time, it's always fail. Always fail. And yet Never our politicians are, uh, say, oh, well, this time it'd be different. And yet fail. 100 times it's failed. Yeah, well, Chavez promised that this time was going to be different. Chavez promised Medicare for all. Chavez promised free education for everybody. Where have you heard that before? Oh, my yeah. God. The left. The left thing, like, I mean, you see, we have even in, in our state, people that are pushing for Medicare expansion, socialization of the health care. That's not going to work. You cannot, we have to, once again, looking at our history, understand the government is never there to help. The government is always there to interfere, to not allow us to actually have prosperity. They want to give you a little handout because yep. they want to have control of your life. And if, if we don't teach this in, in history in our schools, Children are not going to understand that. See, as soon as Hugo Chavez got into power, where is the first thing that Hugo Chavez does? He took down our constitution. Yeah. created a new constitution because he said that our constitution was old. It was it needed to be updated. I've heard that here before. Exactly. He also said that we, it was racist. It was done by racist people. Oh, my goodness. This is something very similar. 
that, that I hear people, exactly, deja vu all again, but he didn't stop there. After that, what Hugo Chavez does, he nationalized our police. So what happened when you nationalize the police? This is one of the greatest things in this great country. There are police independent from the federal government. People in this country need to understand the day they nationalize the police in this country, that will tell me that we are one step close to become a communist state country. We need to understand how did that happen to us? Well, we had the crime was out of control. Right. Okay. So Hugo Chavez came up with this idea that because the crime and the gun violence we needed to nationalize our police. You what know, did I What I was going to ask you something that, that I was thinking about. And when you say nationalize the police, um, you know, and the, and the military, of course, almost like they become one prior to Chavez. So so in the 80s, the 90s, did did Venezuelans did did, you know, Venezuelan citizens have the right to bear arms? Did they have a Second Amendment? Yes. Yes. We had a right to bear arms. Let me, let me explain to you how Chavez did it. As soon as Chavez nationalized the police, right? And I want to explain to you what I see here. Yeah. There's a movement that has gone quiet lately, but it's still there. It's called defund the police. <laughs> yeah. The defund the police is all about this, Mark. It's about allowing crime to go completely out of control. Your local police are not going to be able to handle the situation. Oh They're my. going to start asking help from the federal government. Oh the federal my goodness. government is going to start pumping money into local police. You will see compromised politicians in order, in order to end systemic racism, police brutality, in gun violence, we need to nationalize the police because you're going to have the federal agents working way too much, too close into your local police. If you're going to see politicians, it makes it makes sense. We need to just nationalize it. We're always there. We always want oh the money. That's, that's where Americans need to understand what's really going on here. Well, if the, the people of Venezuela were armed, in other words, individual indiv- uh, individuals in uh, Venezuela could could have firearms in their uh, in their homes. It seems like this maybe would have uh, would have stopped it. Yes, this over this overreach. But what is it? Chavez does, Mark. As soon as he not only got rid of the constitution, reformed the constitution, giving him more power than any president ever before in the history of Venezuela. He nationalized the police. He gave us right after that gun control in the. Reason was because it was too much gun violence in Venezuela. Oh my! He needed to protect us from 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 him, I guess. Yeah. So what happened? Mm-hmm. It, it, it right away, you know, a lot of people at that point they started kind of. Oh, I don't know about this. Everything sounds good, but now you're talking about our guns. And okay, people people didn't surrender their guns. You know, right away they were kind of like questioning. But they were trying to get people to give their guns back or doing buybacks. Well, he he right away put a a gun buyback program in Venezuela. Oh my! 
something that not too long ago I saw a church in Durham was doing uh they they had they had a I don't know if you saw it it was on I saw it on Facebook yeah uh in Durham was a church that was doing a gun by by program not too long ago in Wilmington where I live yeah they were having a gun by by program and this is all this is is a pilot program to see how they one exactly they're going to implement eventually this in the national level oh uh, you know i saw this past weekend i was reading in the news that raleigh the raleigh police department did a gun buyback so this is that, that's scary this that's is happening scary. this is happening that's, like in real time um, in real time in real time market that that's the reason look i i live a very uh comfortable life a very successful life in the private sector uh, I've been living my American dream for so long. I've been very blessed since I moved to this great nation. But a common point in time that you you're like you can no longer be a bystander. You can no longer no. just see how everything's you know crumbling right in front of your eyes and not do something about it. Especially you know? given you've been there, done that. I mean, it's Jonathan. When did you come to the United States? Well, the first time I came, it was uh, well, I can't remember that. But I used to go back and forth okay. and to, you know, like Chavez decide one day. He got that idea from Cuba, from Fidel Castro, his mentor. Uh-huh. Where he not he started one time saying that those they're living in Europe and United States, especially United States. Come, I might not let them out. Goodness gracious. And then I was like, well, that's it for me, because I'm I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going back that way you know because we we have we always had that that hope that maybe things were not going to go that bad of course but that's what uh, i'm thinking about my own country right now and maybe i you know i feel like i'm looking through rose-colored glasses because i love the history of america and i love what we stand for but you're scaring (laughs) yeah i mean but they they didn't stop only there you know after the gun gun backpack programs chavez gave us gun confiscation so that was next that was next think about this for a second mark anytime you hear politicians in this country saying that we need more gun control that's not going to affect criminals this is only made to affect low abiding citizens in in venezuela right now you can find rpgs automatic weapons and you can actually rent guns in the streets of venezuela for oh my God. forty dollars you can rent a gun guns are you have guns out of wazoo in venezuela in the streets of venezuela but you know who got the guns the criminals because criminals never pull a permit to buy a gun of course not so oh. i mean you lived through it you saw it and I think when we talk about this, people think, oh, that's that's pie in the sky. They're not going to take your guns. And then they, you know, they kind of mock people that own firearms. And the Second Amendment wasn't for this and that. And, y- you know, you've seen it. And I'm and it, like I said, we're watching this in real time. And, well, Mark, yeah. take, take a look at something here. When I started, it was January 1st. I started doing I started going all over the state of North Carolina uh, it was in a speaking tour that I, I, I put together because I was concerned maybe education was going to be able to wake more people up 
you know, my frustration as a foreigner, seeing the country now that I adopted as my home, being under attack from the inside out with all these ideologies I recognize. And they said, well, maybe if I start educating people, they're going to wake up and rise up. And, you know, January, there were 19 states in the United States. They have something called the Red Flag Law. Are you familiar with that? The Red Flag Law. Yeah. If you look at it, that is gun confiscations 101. Yeah. That's all it is because they'll come in every state is different. But you look at it, think about somebody uh, that doesn't like you. Yeah. Right. Somebody they know that you're a Republican or maybe you're a Trump supporter, whatever the case is, uh-huh. accuse you to be danger to your community. Police will come with no warrants. They will take your guns away from you. And then You're going to have to pay a lot of money to a lawyer to get them back to the point that if you don't have the financial resources, you're not going to get those guns back. No. And that to me is gun confiscation. You know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. If they can start doing that to all of us, I mean, think about it. Think about it for one second. Not too long ago, it was a legislation passed where now that is going to be pushed all over the nation, the red flag law. All the state had to do is willing to take the federal government, but they had to implement red flag law in your state. That tells me we are living in very dangerous times. Well, it sounds like, I mean, in listening to you talk, it sounds like we are living in about early 1990s Venezuela. Yes. And this is is frightening. Uh, What could, and and I I would ask this, I know this is a hypothetical because I know that Maduro has taken over and is doing the same thing. Well, you know something, Mark, that happened not too long ago? The CINIET, the CINIET is is our, uh, the CINIET is our IRS in Venezuela. Okay. Chavez Chavez weaponized the IRS in Venezuela to go after the small business to close his small business and cracking down because he wanted to squeeze money to support his revolution. And here we are. And here we are. It's like you can't make these things up. It's like, how do this is happening in real time here? Let me put it to you this way. Do you know about Columbus Day? No? Right. Okay. What do you call Columbus Day in the United States in North Carolina today? Yeah, we call it Columbus Day. It's the day that he discovered nope. the world. And- look, look this up. It's called now Indigenous People's oh, Day. Okay. The first time I heard about that was by Hugo Chavez. Interesting. Yes, sir. Look this up. Do you know about diversity, equity, and inclusion? The first time I heard about that was by Hugo Chavez. So when so this is not new. <laughs> no, this is not new. So when you hear these ideologies that once destroyed my native country here be implemented in the local, the state, in the federal government. More than 200 major corporations are pushing these Marxist ideologies to destroy the capitalism from the inside out. It, it is a scary. Which is it, ironic considering these corporations are who they are today because of capitalism and very wealthy elites that are are funding so much of the socialism would not even be in the 
financial position they're in today had so let me, policies let me, been implemented before they, you know, made their money. Let me explain something to you, Mark. When the education system in Venezuela got compromised, right? Right. Start having professor teaching teachers to push agendas. Doctors, those doctors became those that work in your health department. Those lawyers became your attorney general, your district attorney, your judges, and politicians in all levels of government. You architects, engineers, and scientists became those who are going to work in your city, county, state, and federal government. Those that went to financial school became your CEOs and executives in your those major corporations. So their job is to not only have those positions of power of leadership, there's also for them to be there to push <clears throat> agenda. Let me let me explain to something to you. Yeah. It was a very wealthy, the well-educated, the professionals that put Hugo Chavez in power. Oh my Who do you think is trying to bring communism or socialism into the United States? The it's elite. the same ones, the same wealthy, same demographic. Yeah, exactly. So this is already deja vu all over again. Oh. This is not something that, 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 that I just saw last week. This is something to me. I tell people all the time, Mark, I watched this movie before in Spanish. I am watching it in English right now oh my gosh we we also had in one point uh two major political parties one was called acción democrática that party represented all the socialist liberals in venezuela uh-huh the other party was called cope cope represented all the conservative christians in venezuela okay. does okay. it sound familiar to you Yes, it does. It sounds like a literally a mirror image of the United States. Exactly. So but what happened? These two parties at one point became the unit party and they started working together. Wow. And that's the problem that I see that we need to strain up our things here in the United States. Why? I want you to, when you get a chance, take a look at the data. The independent voter numbers are growing. That's a sign taking it back to where I'm from, where you're going to see people are not happy with the parties. Right. The independent voters will grow and grow and grow like I see. I'm being keeping an eye on the data. Yeah. And then you're going to see somebody coming up. You already start seeing people like the Green Party and the, I believe it's a forward party. Like the Libertarians? The, 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 the Green Party. I think it's the Green Party. Yeah, yeah. And not too long ago, I saw a fellow that is running for United States Senate. He's a, a veteran. Think about a veteran talking about, you know, he was a man to serve. And, uh, you know, I'm a pro, a veteran, pro law enforcement. But if you had somebody that is being alternated in the government and that person come as a veteran to you and they start telling you all these things, talking about those things that you're going to be attracted as a conservative. And they start telling you the Republican Party and the Democratic Party has failed you. And it's time to revile and create a party that is actually serving the people. Okay. And people are now well educated in this country. I will see this country falling down into communism because of that. 
The, it's it's only I mean the undecided voters outnumber Republicans and Democrats. Exactly. I mean, I'm saying exactly. just just as I go out and and uh, and and you know during my campaign I'm looking at data voter data because I've got to you know talk more people into voting for me than voting for my opponent and there's more undecideds or unaffiliated. But yes. if it, but that's the result. That's the result I'm not having. And, and I tell you one thing, I am the vice chair of the North Carolina Republican Hispanic Coalition. Mm -hmm. My job right now is to make sure that Latinos, Spanish, uh, going to vote for Republicans. Right. My job is not only that. With my speaking tour, I am trying to revive and make sure the Republicans become conservative. Conservatives mean people that actually want to preserve things the way they were. People that really love the America first agenda. Right. We can no longer become those wishy-washy conservatives that pretend that things are going to go back to normal by doing the same things over and over. You know what they say? Mm -hmm. Doing the same things over and over and expecting different results is called insanity. Insanity seems to be the, the what's ha what we're going through right now, especially. We need to we need oh, to revive our Republican Party. You know, we have the, we have the best ideas, Mark. Our ideas work. We just haven't been really well articulating how to present our ideas and right. control the narrative. We don't have an honest media in this country. That's they control the narrative. Yeah, but I tell yeah. you. I tell you what we have. We have the numbers. They don't have the numbers. They they are not there yet. There's a hope for us here in this country. If they don't have the number, but you got to take a good look at this, Mark. Anytime you go to fundraisers, you go to meetings, take a good look at our party. Our party is old. It's getting older. We need yeah. to revive this new generation, but we're not going to be able to do it when we do not have leaders that actually bring people to the party. We need to have leaders that are yeah. going to motivate and mobilize people by big numbers because we need to revive the Republican Party. It's getting older yep. and the other side are getting they're working right now. What I believe younger, see, yeah. the diversity, it was here and it's here to dismantle the system as we know it, because we are racist. That's what they're going to tell you. Of course. That equity is here to the, the, the redistribution of the wealth. But the biggest and the most scary weapon the left has created it's called inclusion. Inclusion was created to go into our schools. Mark, they're not after you or me. They know they cannot yeah. reprogram us. They want our children. Oh, Lord. They want our children. They want to twist their minds yes. of all these children. People in this country need to understand very well. For this Marxist socialism as a religion. Yes, it is. The government is God. When you have all these children that are being indoctrinated yep. in our schools, and they do not want to defend this country, this country will fall. 
down to their knees into communism. You and I can buy the voter integrity, do everything we can do. But if they one day, a generation from now, they have the numbers and our party is no longer there to fight because our party is old. What do you think is going to happen? Who's going to be there to fight to preserve this great nation? It will be nobody. nobody. They're, they're using the sex education to <laughs> make these children slaves. They want them to be a slave to the Marxist revolution that this country is going. Why? Because they understand that by then protecting government wanted to have big government that will be in power before you and I can stop it. So that's the scary part. That's the scary part. Well, it's, you know, I think you've already answered my next question, but um, I was going to say, what is different about America that will keep us from being like Venezuela? But it sounds like we're on that path. So this is the part where I would say this. Um, and you're you're telling me we need to revive the Republican Party. We need a revival. We need younger people to realize conservative principles. But let me ask you this, and this is usually my favorite part. You know, let's say you have a magic wand, okay, and you could change, you know, two or three things about America right now to return us to this path of freedom that we've been on for 240 years, and the the founding fathers laid out laid us out on. I mean, what would those two or three things be that you would change right now to stop us from becoming what Hugo Chavez turned Venezuela into? The first thing will be completely abolish the sex education and programs of diversity, equity, and inclusion in this country. And completely put drastic measures to go back to teach our youth that America is the greatest country in mm. the world and not to be afraid to offend anybody right afraid to lose voters because i believe if i have the opportunity to make sense on the other side like i've done in the past think about it you will not be able to say that you are a transgender or whatever the heck you want to be any other place but in this country, yeah. you can say whatever you want and nobody cares. No one cares. So if we can start going to the other side and letting and make them understand, listen, I agree with what you're doing, but I'm going to respect what you're doing. But we all have to come together yeah. to protect this nation so you can be as crazy as you want to be and I can be whatever the heck I want to be. But nobody wants to have that conversation well and nobody wants freedom to do as you wish but don't shove it down my throat don't make me exactly buy we into need to, that we need to go with this digit to the other side and right. wake them up wait i'm being you know i'm being going all over the state and i'm talking now only i think that we republics tend to stay in, in a bubble yeah. Thank you. You know, like talk to our own crowd. And yes, our, our people, our Republican uh, crowd need to know who we are. Right. But somebody here needs to start thinking about a long term strategy. I believe the Republicans tend to run campaign for seasons. We go uh, spring, summer, you know, and that's it. Yep. Democrats run 
elections and campaign for decades. Yeah, they, they are. We plant annuals, they plant oak trees. Oh, <laughs> they're so true. That strategy yeah. is one we're going to have to take away from them. Our timers. See, think about this, our first. They call the Republican or conservatives in this country the silent majority. Right. Do you honestly feel there was a conservative that came and say, we are the majority, we just need to stay silent hmm. and allow them in the minority completely walk all over us. That was not a conservative. It was no. a leftist. Yes, it, it was, was a lefty. They infiltrated our sides and labeled us that way. Everywhere I go, I tell people, start ripping those labels. We are the law majority. We're not silent no more. People in this country need to understand that. Look, I look at it this way. We have a systemic racist in this country. Mark, a systemic racist when we have created laws that actually affecting a race in this country. But we're being pointing the finger on the wrong side. The systemic racism right now is against white people. Yeah. And nobody's willing to say what has got to be said. And I am not afraid to say those things. Why? Because today, today I might be getting away with it if I was somebody else. But right. what will happen tomorrow, a decade from today, 50 years later, the tables can turn around and we'll be repeating the cycle. People like myself, so-called minorities, they have a duty right now to call the elephant in the room. That's just like your podcast. Yeah. Do not ignore it. Do not be afraid to do these things. Because if you're afraid and you're silent to these things, you will regret one day to say something it might be too late that is i gotta tell you jonathan who's got the key this has been um it's been a fantastic conversation it's also been a little dark however i think there's light at the end of this tunnel and you've given us uh, an outline of how we can change you know it, it's like turning an aircraft carrier around in a bay but it can be done it has to well, be done. and i uh i give you let me give you a tip okay what you're doing right now is very important. It's start there, Mark. It start by taking the local government, the state. Yeah. The federal government will be easy to take back, but it's really hard and difficult to take the local government. The local government is where the real politics begin. It is, isn't the it? The local government is exactly what they use, like major cities like like Charlotte and Raleigh. Right. That's where the policies are created. They're going to be pushing in small cities. Mm -hmm. That's what you see a lot of major cities in the United States in Democrat control because they understand very well this strategy. We have to understand it's taking the local government back. Who oversee your elections, your counties, your cities can be in there to make sure that everything is done properly it's your state can become like you i and i pray that you become part of the legislature Thank because you. you can be the last line of defense the first line of defense against any tyranny coming to the from the federal government you can say no we can become always a sanctuary state for whatever if they're going after our second amendment we become a sanctuary state for second amendment if they whatever they want to do to us the state, you as the legislator, can prevent 
become the first and the last line of defense. And Americans need to understand it was probably a lefties, big program Americans vote, not only American conservatives, to vote in midterm elections and presidential elections. Notice how the Democrats are well, well informed, well involved in your local elections. That was done by design because that's how we took the government of Venezuela. Local elections in Venezuela are the most important to us because oh, wow. that's how everything happened to you. Like the control, the policies that affect you on a daily basis come from the local government. I think it was Ronald Reagan that said back in the 1980s, all politics is local. And you are exactly. the case for exactly why that is. And I really... Really appreciate your your time, Jonathan, and I, I know that there are you've got great things ahead of you. We're really excited to see where you go uh, over the uh, I couple pray, of years. You know, I got to tell you this, Mark. Freedoms are not free. Right. You will always have to fight for freedoms. Yeah. Because the moment you lose those freedoms, you will never give them back. Oh. That's just the way I look at it. It is DNA. Another thing that I always tell people when I go places, mm -hmm. remind people this, in order for us to live in the land of the free, we have to become once again the home of the brave. Amen to that. Wow. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, for all of you listening, thank you all so much for your time listening. And until the next time we meet, have a great day and always be on the lookout for the elephant in the room.